Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. I know a lot of people have thought about taking that trip of their dreams and combining it with a great sporting event. Well, now there's a company that can help you make those dreams a reality. I'm talking about Atlanta Sports Trips, which is up and running, and it's my personal passion project. My goal was to come up with a plan where we could put together four- and five-star luxury travel with all the games you would like to see in person with meet-and-greets, player interaction, tailgates, food, great drinks, You name it, you want the whole process done for you, that's where Atlanta Sports Trips will come into play. You can check out the website at atlsportstrips.com. On the website, you will see three trips up and available for you right now. A Bravos playoff trip in October. Wherever the world champs go, that's where we're going to follow with hotel, game tickets, a meet and greet. Everything taken care of for you, and all you need to do is place a $99 fully refundable deposit. If the games and the trip don't happen you will get that deposit refunded to you. We've also got a Georgia-Kentucky trip available for late November that's going to include game tickets, a distillery tour, a meet-and-greet, tailgates. Again, a $99 deposit, fully refundable before September 30th, is waiting for you at Atlanta Sports Trips. You can go to the website atlsportstrips.com to make that deposit today. All right, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. I would be Matt or Matlana. I didn't give myself the nickname. I earned the nickname. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Matlana. All right, uh, I wish we were talking about baseball still on the field involving the Atlanta Braves, but still very exciting times moving forward for a very good young and a core of players will be together for a long time, which has us wondering about the next generation of the Braves. Always love to have this next gentleman join us and welcome to Matt Lanny's Eric Cole, deputy manager of Battery Power. You can read his work over there. You can listen to his podcast as well. And he's kind enough to join us on this week's edition of Welcome to Matt Lanny. Eric Cole, it's always a pleasure. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, man. Always good to talk to you. Well, um, again, I wish it was, you know, about a deeper playoff run, but well, baseball doesn't work that way. Ron Washington always said it. That's how baseball goes sometimes. Um, Eric, it's a, it's a weird thing. I think you and I have talked, gosh, consistently over the last three, four, five years about a lot of the names that we're watching right now with the Braves. We didn't know the specific timeline. We didn't know how quickly we would see some of these names, but we did see Michael Harris and Spencer Strider and Vaughn Grissom, just to name a few. So before I talk about the future, give me your thoughts on how quickly you saw those three guys rise through the ranks and which of the three maybe surprised you how quick they got the opportunity. Uh, I mean, all three, without question. <laughs> all three, in terms of how fast they were, you have to understand that, you know, Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris were both prep, you know, prep bats drafted, and they weren't, you know, first round type guys. We were like, wow, this is a generational talent. You know, both those guys were day two or day three picks. And in Spencer Strider's case, there was a five round draft in 2020. Spencer Strider was their fourth round pick, and you know, like it's one of those situations where I mean, he was the guy that we all went, really, that's who they're picking? A guy coming off Tommy John who's probably going to end up being a reliever. And I remember distinctly just kind of thinking, you know, we really liked the way Michael Harris looked whenever he – he moved pretty quickly into full season ball. 
And, you know, he struggled when he first got there, but you could just see that all the tools were there. And you're like, hey, this guy could be something. And Vaughn Grissom, it's like, you know, he, he seemed like an interesting bat. In Strider's case, though, we just didn't have a full appreciation for what kind of arsenal he had post-injury that he had in college. But that first start, when you know he was you know down there at Augusta and we saw him throwing 9900 miles an hour and those poor low A hitters didn't have you know any chance against him once we kind of saw what he was doing we saw he could move quickly because when he's a college arm you know as a result of being a little bit older and two just the stuff played up that he could just as a reliever option alone he should, you know he should move pretty quickly but all three of these guys i mean to go from low A to where they are now as quickly as they did. I mean, Spencer Sider was in the major leagues his first year as a pro, and that's pretty hard to do. So, overall, I mean, I'm surprised by all three. I think that, obviously, Michael Harris was the guy that we were the highest on when we first saw him, but overall, just, you know, having those guys move up this quickly is pretty wild. I think the other part that is equally as wild is how quickly Alex Anthopoulos is locking young players up. I mean, it's not new to see a player a year or two out with a, with a little team control left, get long-term deals to buy him out of a year or two of arbitration. But, Eric, we haven't seen anything like this where Michael Harris is up for three months and here's a long-term deal. But even more surprising to me was the Strider deal. Not that I don't love his upside, but the risk always is there with a pitcher and a guy of you know Spencer's makeup who just he throws 100 miles an hour. How much of that one did, did that surprise you to long-term him so soon? Uh, a little bit surprising just because we haven't seen the Braves make those kinds of deals with pitchers, right? You know, they, they generally like short-term deals on pitchers. We haven't seen an extension for Max Fried. He's an perennial Cy Young candidate, and that kind of tells you where there's risk there. I think that the thing with Spencer and really all these guys is that they're not getting like these, like, you know, they're not going to be extended through their mid-30s or whatever, right? So you, you're really adding a couple years of team control, and you're getting cost certainty and arbitration. And a guy like Spencer Strider, if he ends up being that frontline starter type and he's, you know, all of a sudden he can get really big pay raises in arbitration, that could end up being, you know, fairly complicated for the Braves going forward. So I liked the deal, to be sure. I'm, a li- again, I'm just a little bit surprised they did it just because we haven't seen them do it in pitchers' cases. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're adding a little bit more team control. It's for real money, but, you know, you want to keep this, if you can keep this young court together, why wouldn't you offer these guys these deals and, you know, just to see if they take them? I don't think that there's, the, the risk is always going to be there with pitchers. There's no question about that. And, you know, you're right to kind of target Strider as a guy who might be a little bit more risky. But that, this is also a guy who's really in tune with his body, really understands how his mechanics work. He's he's not the guy that's just, you know, going up there chucking. He has – there's like a, a method to basically anything that he does. So maybe they feel a little bit better about his prognosis, prognosis going forward, especially considering how well he takes care of himself. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you get that kind of upside guy, you want to take a chance – if you're going to take a chance on that guy, you know, I have no problems with it. No, and I'm with you. The the, the value on the upside uh, even outweighs the risk of the injury just because, I mean, if he is a top end, and I hate to even do this to him, it's not fair, but Jacob deGrom type stuff that everybody's comparing him to, that'll be an incredible value if we get there in two or three years and then you look up where he would be at the end of his arbitration. Uh, so we know what Spencer's future is and we know what Michael Harris is. Both guys are penciled in next year. Uh, Spencer in the rotation, Michael in center field. What's your best guess on the Vaughn Grissom situation? Because Ozzie will return. As we sit here and talk today, we don't know the future of Dansby. Is, is shortstop even potentially in his future? Is there something else for him moving forward? So, uh, 
in Vaughn's case, I think he starts off the year just in the minor leagues, just in AAA. What Vaughn did, just that initial burst of production in the wake of Ozzy's injury, was, was remarkable. And I don't want to take anything away from him. But there's certainly some things that he can work on. He obviously got figured out a little bit uh, after that first initial surge. We've seen that with Braves prospects before. I mean, Austin Riley very famously came up and was basically Babe Ruth for two and a half weeks there. And then he couldn't hit a slider to save his life. Send him back down to the minors and worked on some things. In Vaughn's case, it's just a matter of kind of, you know, hitting more line drives and ground balls, making more consistent hard contact. At the end of the day, he was pressed in the surface. The plan wasn't to have Vaughn Grissom called up in 2022, right? So, you know, to get anything out of him was remarkable. And, you know, maybe figuring out what his realistic, you know, defensive home in the minor leagues, you know, maybe giving him some time in the outfield, making him that utility type of guy. And more importantly, just making consistent hard contact. And that's going to probably require a little bit, just more, you know, just adding some man strength and, you know, just taking a little bit of slightly different swing path and, you know, just a different approach. And all those things happen in the minors. At the end of the day, this guy was, you know, 11th, 12th round pick in the draft, and he's still very, very young and has a lot of time to figure things out and kind of add some strength. So I think at this point, you know, you'd probably get Ozzy back. I don't think that in at shortstop next year is, I would guess is not the plan for him uh, for the Braves. I think that they either bring back Gansby or they go to free agency for that just because it's such a premium position that you really need to get real production out of that spot that I think it's far more likely that they go, you know, either external if Dansby leaves or just resign Dansby. But overall, just in, you know, in Vaughn's case, I think he starts the year off at AAA. He's earned that to be sure. He's not going like, to go back down to Mississippi after putting up a pretty decent year overall in the major leagues. But, you know, send him down to AAA, have him work on some things, you know, just get stronger, get better and kind of see where and then just kind of see how it goes because at the end of the day a lot of things can happen you know you we saw it this year when we had guys get hurt that you know you get opportunities and you just have to be ready for them so in his case just you know get the triple a keep getting better and then if an opportunity arises you know at the end of the day there's no such thing as too many good players so we took the plunge yes at the churnoff house the big renovations are going on so it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678 Nine three five six nine zero one. Peachwood Floor Coverings, big company quality, small company services. Home field advantage exists in baseball. Insurance too. Your local trusted choice independent insurance agents are active members of your community. They'll always have your back. Find a local auto, home, or business insurance agent at trustedchoice.com. Folks, you just heard from Smoltzy and you heard it from me as well. Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are my trusted choice for insurance agents. They've been my agent for a long time and they serve all of Metro Atlanta. To get up to 10 auto insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes, visit Rhodes-Group.com slash churnoff today. That's Rhodes-Group.com slash churnoff. 
It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. TheDailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. So between the graduations of these top prospects mixed in with some of the trades, whether it was the Matt Olson deal or a few others. I mean, that's going to take its toll on the minor league system, so that's obvious. So let's let's talk about the top, right, whether that's Kyle Muller, whether that's Jared Schuster or you know Bryce Elder or some of these names. If you were just to give me a, a quick off the top of your head, how would you rank a top three or four right now in the Braves prospect list? So um, honestly, I think actually the top prospect in the system is a position player. And that is Justin Henry Malloy out of uh, Georgia Tech. Wow! I really like. I, I, I really. I mean, and again, I'd have to really kind of sit down and think about it. But you know, he's, he's going to be a left fielder. Uh, they thankfully moved him off third base in the minor leagues. If he was still being pegged as a third baseman, uh, I would not be making this choice because the defensive defense over there was pretty rough. But moved him over to left field. Just a great approach. Big on pace guy has real power. And again, we're not talking about like a generational talent type uh, per se, but I think he can be an everyday left fielder. He'll get on base a ton. He'll hit some home runs. Just overall, just a consistent value. In the case of like some of these pitchers, uh, you named a few of them. I, mean, I, I like Bryce Elder, but I thought it was pretty telling that they were kind of targeting him in, um, shall we say, some favorable matchups. Oh, so, sure. You know, when, when, when you're running him out there against the Nationals and the Marlins, you know, your numbers are going to look a lot better. Uh, he does have some issues with home run ball. I'd just like to see him resolve some of those issues more consistently against good competition before I, you know, jump back on that train. In Kyle Muller's case, you know, there's just those lingering command issues. He's a big guy. And we've seen big guys, you know, with the, you know, it's hard to repeat your delivery when you have those long levers. So there's just more things to work on there. Another name I just would like to throw into the hat here, or two really, uh, there's a young pitcher who ended up being hurt for a little while towards the end of the year. He's going to be very good is um, AJ Smith Schauber. He's down there at Loway. Uh, really, really good stuff. Uh, mid to upper nineties fastball. You know, the command certainly needs some work, and we're not exactly sure what the injury is uh, that caused him to miss some time at the end of the season, but that's a really live arm. And Dylan Dodd, this is a guy that the Braves really, really love. He was a senior signed third-round pick. They did not pay real money for him uh, when he was drafted, but he's a lefty, throws a ton of pitches, and he's ended up being one of the better starting pitching prospects in the system. Don't be surprised if he's like he factors into the – uh, either the rotation or the bullpen and you know, plan sooner rather than later. And he's probably going to be one of the guys that a lot of teams are going to be calling about this offseason if the Braves are talking about trades. Talk to me about Jared Schuster. How close is he and what's the upside? Uh, so uh, close, he's he, he's Equinette. So you know he's only a phone call away, right? But the changeup is one of the best pitches in the system. The problem is that the fastball is 
not good. Um, it, he, it's it's a low 90s offering, and it doesn't have a lot of life on it. And when you're pitching off with your fastball to make your change up good, your fastball has to at least be passable. Now, what he did early in the season, particularly at A, was he would, you know, he was commanding the pitch well to where, you know, people had to respect it because he could throw it for strikes. And then he could just, you know, get swings and misses on that change up or his breaking ball. But we kind of have seen as the season went on, didn't, wasn't commanding the fastball as well. And when he misses, he misses over the plate. And Matt, I don't have to tell you that if you throw 91 or 92 and you miss in the zone, what's going to happen to that pitch in the major leagues. And you know, if you're just sitting fastball and you're just not going to bite on the change up that he gets, you know, fade and, you know, kind of, a way to, you know, a way to righties or lefties, you know, just kind of on the outside corner type pitch. If you don't, you just don't have to, if you can just spin on that pitch and just sit fastball and he's going to miss in the zone, that ball, that ball's going to go for 150 feet. And that's what ends up happening. He sits pretty hard when he's missing his spots. So I'm not as much on Schuster per se. Uh, it's a pick that was a little bit puzzling at the time. And the, the reasons for why he was picked that high was you know, he was throwing you know 94, 95 when he was in college. Uh, that hasn't really panned out in the pros. So I'm a little bit lower on him than most. Eric, I'm, I'm a little interested now, too, because, um, you know, when they signed Charlie Morton, I'll be very clear, I was I was a little surprised. I mean, they had the option on him, but in this case, they added a year and an option on the back half. I know Alex likes stability, and I feel like he wanted four guys coming into the season, so he only had to fill one spot. Well, I mean, a lot of us are holding out hope, whether it's realistic or not, that Mike Soroka can at least make it back. And then there's Ian Anderson, who I know people have punted on, but I'm not ready to punt on Ian because I've seen too much in the in the – postseason and the regular season all that being said what do you do with the with the mullers and the elders and you know some of these other guys who are maybes like are they are these guys trade bait or are they just organizational depth who get passed at some point how do you think that shakes itself out uh, they're, they're, so right now i think it's there's certainly some maybes i i think that and I've been saying this for a few years, and you and I have talked about it, is that I felt that there's been a logjam at starting pitching for a while. And it's not – realistically, it's not getting better because they're picking pitchers still in the draft right now. <laughs> you know, we, we saw them pick prep pitchers, uh, you know, with their first three picks, and they're all top-end arms, and they, you know, they're all prep guys, so they might move a little bit slower. But, you know, you have all, this, all these guys coming, and you just don't have a lot of those – you know, those spots available. I, I was kind of with you on the Charlie Morton extension. I was, I had no problems bringing Charlie Morton back, but I had some issues at 20 million, especially the way he looked towards the end of the season. And, you know, unfortunately that bore out in the, in the postseason as well. So I, I was a little bit skeptical on that, but I don't think there's a reason to move on from Charlie, you know, in favor of one of these arms, right? I think that there, none of these guys are certainties. So for me, you know, if you can make some deals that would, bring back some talent that helps your big league team. I think that's ideal. I think that's the ideal situation, but what position do you do that for? You know, is there like a premium shortstop out there that a team would, is wanting to trade, you know, some, you know, guys who can barely make up the Braves rotation right now uh, to, you know, give up for the Braves to fill that spot. Is it a left fielder? Maybe. Uh, or is it, you know, they just maybe a prospects for prospects trade. Those don't really happen all that much. But the theory is that, you know, that you can use the organizational depth to bring you back something. Uh, and maybe it's just to go after relievers. I don't, really know but it seems like a right now it feels like a little bit of a waste because these are real prospects they're, they're and they're guys who can pitch in the major leagues but you know if they were really quality guys and they're probably guys that the Braves want to keep in their rotation and if they're maybe guys and how much do other teams want them so it's, it's it's kind of a weird situation to be in where you have all these guys that 
are kind of big leaguers. There's not 100% certainty on that. And if that, what what is their market value and what's their value to the Braves right now? And I honestly don't have a great answer to that question other than just, you know, have, have, watch how it plays out because at the end of the day, this, this Braves team, they don't have a ton of places to fill spot, roster spots. So even if you wanted to trade them for somebody, who would you go get? So we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff house. The big renovations are going on. So it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects. And for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678 935 6901. Peachwood Floor Coverings, big company quality, small company services. Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't have to be you. At the Rose Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at rose-group.com. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's, get it, the Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near, and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find, a craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salad, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. TheDailyDraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like Trivia Night, Kids Eat Free Night, and more. TheDailyDraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love The Daily Draft. So if we were talking specifically about Mueller, I, I'm, you know, and this isn't fair because we haven't seen enough of them, and I always, you know, try to preach patience and letting these guys cook and, and sort of develop. Kyle Mueller just to me, I just see reliever when it's all said and done. Again, it's not fair, but that's just, you know, where my gut's telling me on him. And once you show too much of a guy, you and I both know that some of the shine comes off a prospect if you're trying to attach him in a deal. So let me ask you this, because you're right. There's just, there's not many spots. One of the theories that Twitter has cooked up, and gosh knows we should always lean on Twitter, um, that you could attach a prospect with Marcelo Zuna to have somebody take him off your hands, maybe eat a decent part of that money. I don't know if that's realistic or not. If that was the case, is Mueller that guy, or is there somebody else that they could convince another team to take a flyer on Marcel to get a prospect? I'm sure that that's an option that the Braves are weighing. I think it all comes down to how much money they save. Because, you know, 
we we heard you know Terry McGurk's you know the, the quote is that they want to be a top five payroll. Yep. And if that's the case, like you know, like do they how much do they care about saving the Marcel money? Uh, do they really want to lose a, a prospect? And again, Mueller has real value, right? You don't necessarily want to just give up a guy just to save a little bit of money unless you're going to use that money for something. Right. Now, if Dansby Swanson walks. And they're like, okay, well, we need to replace him with one of the big guys. We need to go after Trey Turner. We need to go after Carlos Correa. And I think that deal makes a lot more sense. Um, you know, again, there's a lot of moving parts to all this stuff. But I think that if, in that type of deal, sure, a guy like Mueller, even a guy like Bryce Elder would make sense in that in that regard too. Um, they, they kind of after that kind of you kind of start running out of guys that you would probably want to give up on because the one thing that the Braves and a lot of teams don't like to do is trade high end guys who are you know like high A or lower because they're valued less on the trade market, but they might end up – those are the ones that really bite you when you trade them too early because they go on and they become perennial all-stars and things like that, and you don't really necessarily feel like you get, you're get you using a currency to its full potential. So I'll say that you're – I think you're on the right track. I think that the Braves are certainly going to entertain the idea of getting rid of Marcelo Zuna, and you know, I frankly was a proponent of that last year. So I'm – I think that that's going to be one one move we are going to see in some form or fashion. I don't know if it's just a full on release. I don't know if it's going to be able to the Braves are going to be able to pawn him off on somebody. It, that, that, that's kind of one of those things you have to find a team that's willing to take on some 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 money to kind of make it worthwhile to you because you really want to get Marcelo Zuna off your roster and like still have to pay all but like four million dollars of his salary. You know, <laughs> does that make much sense to anybody? And at that point, it comes down to how much teams value guys like Kyle Muller and how much money you end up saving. Well, I ask you about two specific prospects, but just the math on left field right now in some way, shape, or form is Marcel's about $18 million, Eddie Rosario's about $9 million, and I'm with you that I, I don't think they worry about money the way they once did, but there's good and bad business. $27 million for that duo and whatever that would look like mixed in with a DH is just its not the best scenario the way it could play itself no, it's, out. No, it's pretty rough. Uh, all right, let me ask you about Jesse Franklin because I know there was some mixed opinion on him coming through the ranks, and there will be a spot in left field in the next year or two if, if those two end up moving aside. How is Franklin's trajectory going there? Uh, unfortunately, he had to have Tommy John surgery this year. So the short answer to your question is it's not looking great at the moment just because he didn't play very much this year. Yeah. Um, now, he's not a guy that, you know, defensively, you know, I don't. With position players, when you when a lot of play people here, Tommy John, you know, it's just very different for position players versus you know pitchers, obviously. So you know, I'm sure he'll come back fine. But he was a guy that already had hit tool questions, and having to basically miss functionally a whole year is not great, right? <laughs> uh, for for a college guy who also missed time in college because he was dealing with injuries, I think he's a bit injury prone. I think he has other things going on too with that hit tool. I mean, he can hit the ball a mile when he hits it, and again, he had kind of a Babe Ruth stretch there when he was at Rome. So, um, you know, he certainly can put himself into the conversation pretty quickly, but he's not a guy that I'm I'm very wait and see on. I think it's more likely that Justin Henry Malloy that we talked about earlier ends up being a guy that if we're talking about in the next year or so, he's probably the guy because he's already he's already made it to AAA. He's at the AFL right now playing well. I mean, I think he's firmly in the conversation. I mean, he does a lot of things well. I don't think he's necessarily a star, but he's going to get on base a bunch. He can hit the ball hard. And he's not going to embarrass you out there defensively. So if you're talking about, you know, that left field situation in the short term, that's where the name I would put out there. Eric, I know a lot of people were mixed, too, from the day they made the draft pick of Braden Shoemake and even throughout uh, his rise through the minor leagues of whether he's a utility guy. And that, that's such a dirty word to take a high draft pick on. But there is some value to that. Where are you today on him? Um, I'm far more like, for, feeling like he's a shortstop than a utility guy. He, he has 
he has convinced me defensively that he can play the position. Uh, it's a strong arm. He has good range to both sides, can come in on balls. So uh, he's changed my mind in terms of, you know, where he was at in terms of, you know, I really kind of, I was, I was kind of with that camp of, it looks like a utility tweener type arm to me, but he's definitely turned the right things around here. But the, the hit tool is taking a big step back and we haven't seen much power out of him at all. He'll occasionally run into one when he pulls one, but, and that's a bit problematic. He was also very injury prone this year. He just had little nagging injuries. I think he had a, a back thing and then, you know, had a couple of other nagging injuries where you just like miss a week here or a week there. And at the end of the season, this is not his fault whatsoever. Uh, he, he was, at shortstop, he basically ran all the way into left field, and he ran straight into Travis Demerit. He blew out his PCL, um, basically missed the last month of the season. He wasn't hitting particularly well before that. It was and it was a scary play too. Uh, I'm again, I have no, I am not reporting a thing here, but it looked like he had like lost consciousness at some point. They had to take him out on a cart. It was pretty. It was a pretty rough scene. So the answer to your question is, I'm not high on shooting right now. You know, again, the, the hit tool. He was the one thing that we thought he would do as a pro is hit because he was just a really good college hitter and he would, you know, he puts the ball in play and he'll get on base a bit. And that's actually not what we've seen. Um, you know, the the power, the, the the bat is a real concern right now. Even though I do think that he's going to stick it short. All right, last thing for you then. If you were just guessing without names, you don't have to give us names. But as we get towards next year's draft, with so many spots filled. Uh, are the Braves, because you mentioned the three pitchers they, they went for in this past draft to add more depth to that uh, part of the organization. What would your best get uh, guess be on how they handle the top two or three picks this time around? Until they do otherwise, I still think that given where they, they pick, uh, you know, towards the bottom of the first round and all that stuff, I still think they're going to keep picking pitchers because I think, and it's not necessarily, I think at the end of the day, they have a lot more confidence in projecting pitchers than they do hitters right now. And, you know, that's something that, you know, you hear whispers about too. It's just, you know, at the bottom of the first round, what types of players do you feel like you can get some value out of? You know, you're not, you're not picking top 10. If it's a top 10 bat type talent, you're willing to take a risk and spend a little bit more money. But when it's your first round pick and, you know, you're picking towards the bottom, you're going to get, try to get some certainty there or at least go where, where your strengths of your organization is. And they, I think they feel like that picking pitchers is the thing they can have the most confidence in if they're spending real money on a guy. So I think that you know again I think they'll I think they'll just be another pitcher again. Now I do think that they want to they have to keep adding bats to the system because you know that with those you know the international free agency you know restrictions that they had for a while that's where the things are lacking right now is just depth and position player talent. You know that's slowly getting better it feels like, but at the same time you know it's a lot of lottery ticket types. So they need to kind of maybe on those with a second round pick go with a bat and then maybe at the end of the day go with hopefully trying to figure out, you know, if they can add some talent on, you know, rounds two on. But I think that with a first round, first round pick, I don't think they're going to pick a bat. Yeah. Uh, Eric, I mentioned batterypower.com is where people can read your work and uh, check out your pods. Give them any specific stuff you want to mention that they need to go check out right now. Well, we're definitely going to start once uh, things settle down a little bit and we kind of recover from the, the, the end of season and postseason run, uh, we're going to start being doing our just kind of a review series, just kind of retrospectives on each individual player, both on the major and minor league side. So make sure you look at batterypower.com. And if you know, well, once I recover a little bit and kind of enjoy some non-baseball time, I'm going to be, uh, you know, tweeting. You can follow me over at Twitter at leprechaun with a K. And uh, you know, I tweet a lot about Braves baseball. So if you want to keep up to date, you know, and every once in a while I make fun of you know my fellow battery power writers, and every once in a while I make fun of Matt too. That's it's listen, I'm I'm all for it. I need to be made fun of more. One of my favorite guys. I think just as, as well read and uh, great stuff always, not only in the Braves' future, but uh, the current stuff. Make sure you check out Eric both on Twitter and at batter, uh, Battery Power. Eric Cole, it's a pleasure, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Thank you.
Thank you. Thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time to listen to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. Thanks to our producer, Matt Lear, for his assistance with the program. He's the glue that keeps the operation running. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Atlanta. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.